0: let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you. This is the day you've made, and we are rejoicing that we get to be with you. And right now, as we turn our focus to what it means to have a new beginning at work, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us so that our minds will be renewed, our hearts, our lives, so that whatever it is that we do in word or action, that we'll do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus and give thanks to you as we do right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you've joined us online as we continue our New Beginnings Where We Live, Work, and Play series. This week's focus is New Beginnings at Work. I'd like to start with a quote from a legendary football coach, Vince Lombardi. On the first day of training camp back in 1961, okay, even I was only four years old back in 1961, but the quote is famous. Lombardi held up a football and he said, "'Gentlemen, this is a football.'" In five words, he got his point across. To be successful as a professional football team, you have to master the basics. For six weeks now, we've been focusing on a new annual theme, New Beginnings. The subtitle of that theme is because with God, we can have a fresh start at any moment. Let's remember something basic about New Beginnings. If we want a new beginning in our lives, we must think differently, act differently, or both. How many times have you heard someone say, or maybe you've even said this yourself, I want a better relationship with my wife or my husband. I want to do a better job at school or at work. I want to understand the Bible better. Or I want to lose five pounds or 10 pounds or 20 pounds. Or We'll we'll leave it at that. Each of those statements assumes a new beginning. After all, as Albert Einstein is widely credited as saying, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Yet all of us have hoped for, prayed for, and longed for new beginnings without ever thinking or doing anything differently. Why is that? Well, the short answer is it's easy to hope, pray, and long for something, but new beginnings require effort. Before we consider new beginnings at work, let's acknowledge that some of you are students, so you might not have a job. I'm going to say job, because if you are a student, then let's think about your work at school as actually being your job, your work. You might also, as you're listening, be retired from work or a job where you get a paycheck. That's okay, too, because as we'll see, we're not just talking about work that that brings home a paycheck. In fact, we're going to start a whole new way of thinking about work right now. After all, If a new beginning in any area of our lives requires that we think differently or act differently or both, then let's start by thinking differently about work. The different way of thinking about work starts with our take-home point. And for those of you who may be watching with us for the very first time, the take-home point is that single point that we make from Scripture that we want to take home and we want to be able to use it in our lives so that we can actually live differently. So here it is. New beginnings at work happen when we work for Jesus. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm an electrician, how am I gonna work for Jesus? Or I'm a middle schooler, how am I gonna work for Jesus? Or I'm a blank and you fill in that blank with whatever it is that fills your time during the week, how am I gonna work for Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked because the challenge is as Americans, so often we see work primarily as producing so that we can consume, so producing and consuming. In fact, if you ask a lot of Americans, why do you work, you'll get a lot of different responses, but they break down in basically five different ways. So here are the five main reasons why people, why Americans work. Number one is to get a paycheck. Number two is to support myself and or my family. Number three is to keep the economy going. Number four is to get ahead. And number five is so I can retire and do what I want someday. None of those things are bad. I mean, when you think of those five things, first of all, working to get a paycheck, well, we ought to get a paycheck when we work, unless, of course, your job is being a student, then you get a report card. And even the Apostle Paul said that we're supposed to work to support our family, and if we, he said, if we don't support our family by working, we're worse than pagans, and we certainly want to keep the economy going, right? I mean, after all, what's what's the opposite of that? It's a recession or a depression, and working to get ahead, nothing wrong with working to get ahead. And, and all of us probably work 20, 30, 40 years or more so that eventually we can stop working and do something that we really enjoy with our lives. So all of those reasons for working, though, what they all have in common is we assume that we're going to produce something so that we can get something, which is a paycheck, so that we can consume something else, food, clothing, housing, cars, you name it. And some of us work so that we can save, but actually, you know what saving is, right? Saving is just delaying consuming because later we're going to take some of those savings and we're going to consume something. Or if we don't use them, then our children are going to inherit the money and they'll consume something. So the cycle can be a little bit like running on a treadmill. We produce so we can consume and then we must produce so we can consume. Again, it's not evil or wrong, but we're talking about new beginnings where we work. If that's going to happen, we have to think differently about who we are and what we do through our work. Think about this. If we exist to produce and consume, then what does it mean to rest or take a day off? Well, it's simple. It means that we're wasting time, right? Because time is productivity. Time is money. So if we are resting, then we're not making money. We're not producing so then we can't consume and maybe that's why so many of us feel guilty when we take a break or even when we go to bed at night or certainly if we're going to take a whole day of sabbath a day of rest to be renewed and refreshed and to focus on the lord if new beginnings at work happen when we work for jesus then we must think differently about work at its heart we need to think of ourselves as more than producers, consumers, and savers who are eventually going to consume. We need to think of ourselves as new people in Jesus Christ. And our work isn't just working for us or for our families or our economy or so that we can you know, get ahead or so that we can retire someday and take a break. Our work, whatever it may be, is an action dedicated to serving Jesus. Let's turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church where we're going to read about how differently we get to think about life, how differently we're called to act when Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in our lives. Now, a few of you might have just said, wait a minute, Jesus Christ isn't Lord and Savior in my life. I'm not even sure what that means. That's okay. Here at New Life, we talk about Jesus every week, and we talk about him being Savior and Lord in our lives because we believe he is Savior, which means he has saved us from sin and death. And we believe he's Lord, which means he gets to tell us what to do. And the reason he does is because he came to the earth and lived a perfect life, a life none of us could ever live. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty that we owed God, which was the death penalty. And then he rose again from the dead. He returned to heaven. And even right at this very moment, he's praying for us, according to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. So we think about Jesus all the time. And we think about Jesus being the Lord and Savior of our lives because that's the basic reality of the Christian faith. Or at least that's the basic reality we say we have. But none of us lives that out perfectly. And that's why, even after we experience the most important new beginning of our lives, When Jesus Christ becomes Savior and Lord, we must still experience additional new beginnings through thinking differently, acting differently, or both. Four weeks ago, I said, our life in Jesus Christ is a new beginning, followed by a new life filled with more new beginnings. One of the most incredible aspects of following Jesus is every day is that we can experience some kind of new thinking or a new way of acting or both that produces another new beginning in our lives every single day. Let's turn to Colossians 3, 12 to 17. If you have your Bible, Bible app you can follow along. It's also going to be up on the screen because I wanted to show you what I mean. So Paul wrote, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When Paul wrote put on then he was actually talking about putting on some new clothes because as those living in a fallen world we're all born with what we could say are dirty clothes clothes that we need to change out of we need to put on some new ones and Paul reminded us first of all that we are God's chosen ones that we are holy and beloved. Now let's pause there and think about that for a moment. Once we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, we become part of God's family. And that's such a powerful thought, isn't it? I mean, that's a new thought. We are God's chosen. We are holy and beloved. Now, do you think of yourself that way? Maybe you've bought someone else's label for you. When I was growing up, every now and then, my dad would tell me I was stupid. Now, I didn't think I was stupid, but he said it to me often enough that I started to believe that maybe he was right. In fact, I have 10 years of formal education after high school, including an earned doctorate. And I think at least part of that is because I didn't want my dad to be right. I I wanted to show my dad that I was not stupid. When we believe the labels that other people put on us, then we think and act accordingly. But God tells us we are his chosen ones. We are holy and beloved. Let's let that sink in to our hearts, to our minds for a moment. According to Paul, when we are God's chosen, when we are his holy and beloved, then we put on this new clothing. And it starts with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, remember, we're talking about new beginnings at work or school. So what would it look like at work and school if we started acting out of compassionate hearts, if we acted in kindness, humility, meekness, and patience? You might be thinking, well, you've never been to my workplace because if I acted like that, then I'd be laughed out of the workplace. I'd be laughed out of the building. I'd be laughed off the work site. Now, I haven't always been a pastor. And when I worked as a carpenter, I'll be honest, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, they weren't the order of the day. They weren't the clothes that we put on when we showed up for work. But what if we had? Because I was a Christian back then and some of the other guys on the work site weren't. I didn't make a big deal about being a Christian, but I did want people to know what it was like to let the Holy Spirit be in charge of their life, I wanted them to see that I was different in that way as I worked. And that's one of the biggest advantages and blessings that we have in living as Jesus followers, wherever we work and whatever we do. We have the Holy Spirit's presence and power in us to think and act differently at work. As we live in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, our workplaces and our schools become environments where God can change us and God can change our coworkers or our classmates. Paul added, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, Paul was writing about Christians and how we live with the other Christians. But let's focus on the world around us for a moment. In our culture, do people, even Christians, bear with one another? Do they forgive one another when we have a complaint? Do we forgive others the way Jesus first forgave us? Nothing is going to change a school or a workplace faster than being willing to be willing to forgive others when they've wronged us. We live in a culture that's known for creating this adage, I don't get mad, I get then I know what you said, even, I don't get mad, I get even. You see, what if we didn't get mad or what if we didn't get even when somebody did something? Against us? What if the next time you're at school or you're at work and somebody does something against you and you say, Don't worry about it, everybody makes mistakes, and then just genuinely moved on and forgot all about it? If you're thinking people would walk all over me, well, people might, but I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about having the courage to live the way Jesus lived. I've heard so much talking about my rights, my feelings, my way over the past six and a half months. Where has that gotten us? As a culture, we're more fractured than we've been at any time in my lifetime. And remember, I was already four years old in 1961. Paul concluded his comments about how we are to dress as Jesus' followers by saying, and above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you've been a follower of Jesus for even a short period of time. You probably know that the word Paul used for love there, it wasn't a a feeling, it wasn't emotion. Love, as Paul used the word, is an action. Putting on love means sacrificing our rights, our wills, our wants, and our needs for the benefits of others. As Jesus sacrificed his rights, his will, his wants, and his needs on the cross for us. When the COVID-19 pandemic began impacting each of us back in March, We were quarantined. Many of us lost our place of work, our ability to go to work. We were told to wear masks and we were told to social distance. The negative reactions of many people, especially those who say that we're Christians, angered me. I mean, it really made me angry. To be honest, a little bit of that anger was righteous anger, maybe like this much. I couldn't understand why Christians were unwilling to demonstrate love by submitting ourselves to such simple actions. But more of it was just self-righteousness. I saw myself as more willing to put on love than others. Now, having had six and a half months now to adjust and adjust and adjust to this whole COVID-19 pandemic, my anger has turned more to sadness and even sympathy for those who would rather cling to their rights as Americans than to their position as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, as workers who are willing to wear the new clothing of compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and love. Frankly, it's been five and a half months of the daily discipline of prayer walking and the weekly discipline of Sabbath that has helped me to wear the new clothing that Jesus calls us to put on more effectively. Some would say I've wasted a great deal of time over these past five and a half months. I've broken the producing and consuming cycle through intentional times of rest and prayer every day and Sabbath every week. Now, please don't hear me saying that I've arrived and I wear my new clothes perfectly. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is simply this. I've been thinking and acting in radically new ways over the past five and a half months, and that has allowed me to work in new ways. In so much more, I'm so much more concerned these days than I've ever been about other people. I see so much fatigue, so much anxiety, so much anger, and not to mention Just the general dis-ease of people. Everywhere everywhere we go, it seems like people just want to get back to the way it was, and we know in some way it's not going to get back to the way it was. And that's not even to mention the people that actually have COVID-19. And that's impacted a member of our staff now. So, I could easily be swept along with this whole river that everybody else is going along, anxiety, anger, frustration, all of that. But the daily times with God... The weekly times away from work have helped me to remember who I am. I'm God's chosen one. I'm holy and beloved. Those times have helped me to treat others as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, instead of standing on my rights or succumbing to my feelings. If you and I want to experience new beginnings at work, then we must think differently and act differently than than the world. And Colossians 3.17 shows us how. Let's look at the next verse. It says, "...and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. The peace of Christ is so much more than the absence of conflict. The peace of Christ is a sense that all is well when nothing is well. A couple months ago, I went out to lunch with a guy from the church, and he said to me, how are you? And I said, well, life sucks, but I'm good. And he said, you have to show me how I can get there. How can I get to that point? And that's what I'm talking about. The peace of Christ, when it rules in our hearts, there's never been a better time in the workplace for us to show other people how that feels, what it looks like. And to influence them so that they too can experience the peace of Christ as well. Because when that happens, then we think differently and we act differently. Last week, Pastor Barry offered us so much of what it means to think differently and act differently as he worked his way through the Apostle Paul's advice to the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 12 about what it actually means to live differently, to think and act differently as followers of Jesus. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to go to the New Life app or to go to newlifexn.org and watch it. It's such a hard thing for me to realize that the culture around us thinks that Christians hate them, think that that we're all against everything, that we Christians hate everything and everyone, and, and actually they think that we would be a lot better off in the world if just Christians didn't exist. Because God chose us to be holy and beloved, not so we would make the rest of the world feel rejected and hated, but so that we can provide the environment, the atmosphere where they too can feel chosen, where they too can feel holy and beloved, welcomed into the world. When we exercise the peace of Christ in our lives, which only happens in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, then others are attracted. I had lunch a couple weeks ago with a guy who doesn't Go to New Life. He's not part of the New Life family. And we were talking about work, actually. And we were talking about how we ought to add value to the workers around us, whether those workers are under us, meaning we're their boss, or over us, meaning they're our boss, or they're our peers at work. Yes, we all need to produce something, and we're all going to consume something. But the purpose of our work is to glorify God and to show our co-workers what it means to live in peace with God and others. Paul added, and be thankful Now, we could invest an entire series in our new beginning series on what it means to be thankful and how just thinking and acting thankfully will provide new beginnings wherever it is, wherever we live, work, or play. Every morning when I outline my days, uh, you know, the activity of the day in my planner, I turn to the notes page of my planner. At the top, I write the word gratitude. And then I write down five things for which I'm grateful. Now, Nancy, my wife, she makes the list every day. Sometimes the things I write down are really big things, like I'm thankful for salvation in Jesus Christ, or I'm thankful for God's love in my life. But other times, it's little things, you know, like dark chocolate raspberry ice cream or or cinnamon rolls. But just writing that list reminds me that life is so much better than I deserve, and that's because I am God's chosen one, holy and beloved, and so are you. Paul moves to a crescendo here in verse 16 he says let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god now if you're wondering what does that have to do with new beginnings at work well if working in a new way means working for jesus then it means everything What is the word of Christ? I mean, if we're supposed to dwell, let the the word of Christ dwell in us richly, what is the word of Christ? Well, the word of Christ is love, it's life, it's new beginnings, really. And and so here we are. We're thinking today about what it means to have a new beginning at work. Well, we have to let people know that we're different. And when people says we're lazy or worthless, when people say that that something that tears us down, then what we have to do is lean into the word of Christ where he says that he loves us, he cares about us, we have a new life in him. We're holy and beloved. Paul said to admonish one another in all wisdom. Now to admonish actually means to counsel against something. So sometimes a new beginning in our work starts when we stop doing something that we ought not have been doing in the first place. Now, God has been admonishing me about something that I needed to do over these past six and a half months. God has been admonishing me to slow down and sometimes to stop. I never need someone to tell me to work more. I never need someone to tell me, you know, you got to work harder, Chris, because I love my work. I love my work here at New Life. I love my work at Penn United. I love my work at home. I just love to work. Now, why wouldn't I? I live in a culture that teaches me from the time I'm born that I need to produce and consume to have value. We're all taught those things. But you know, we're not human doings. We're human beings. 24-7 might get her done, as they say in our culture, but it's 24-6 that God calls us to live out in our lives. He expects us to stop one day a week, one day out of seven and enjoy His presence, to enjoy our family's presence, to be renewed and refreshed. I need to be admonished to do that. Now, I don't know what it is you need to be admonished to do so that you can have a new beginning at work, but I know there's something that you're doing at work right now that you need to stop doing so you can experience the fullness of this not only new way of thinking, but new way of living in Jesus Christ. Paul continued, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I don't know about you, but I really needed that reminder. Up until the last few months... The only time I ever really sang psalms, hymn, and spiritual songs was right here in worship. It was the only time that I ever would either listen to or sing Christian music, so to speak. And, and then something happened back in August. Nancy asked the girls to download the Spotify app. And, uh, you know, we signed up for Spotify for the whole family, basically. So it's a music app where you can get any kind of music. So what I did was whenever I opened up the app, I wrote down a couple of groups that I liked. And the next day I had... a my daily mix. I didn't know what that was, but it was a bunch of Christian songs. I also had a daily mix of the Beatles and the Eagles, but that's, that's neither here nor there. The point is, every day now, I listen to some of that music. I listen to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And sometimes, you know what happens? I catch myself singing those lyrics under my breath while I'm working. Paul underlined gratitude once again is the closeout of this section, this crescendo section. And he said that we need to be given thankfulness to God in our heart for everything. Does that mean at work? Of course it does. How do I know that? Because of the last verse. Verse 17 reads, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Some people have a life verse. That's a verse that they use to basically guide their life, the direction and focus of their life. Colossians 3.17 is my life verse. You know why? Because it has the word do in it three times. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, deed is an action, it's doing. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, I like doing. I like working. No, I love doing. I love working. My new beginnings at work over the past five and a half months have been to think about work (laughs) and then to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to rest. I'm going to take Sabbath. Taking time to give thanks to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ means that sometimes I just have to stop working. I have to slow down. I have to take a rest. I love working for Jesus, but you know what I'm starting to learn? I'm starting to learn how to rest for Jesus. I don't know what it is that God wants you to do to show glory to him in, in your work to think differently, to act differently. But I know that God has something for you at work or at school that you've never experienced before, and it's only going to happen when you think differently, when you act differently, or both in some area. And that's why today's next step is, I will work for Jesus in all I do this week. I will work for Jesus in all I do this week. That's where it starts. With Jesus as our boss, our work becomes new and different. Jesus is the best boss ever. He actually wants us to work and rest. Jesus is the best boss ever, but you're still going to have a worldly boss if you do. You're still going to go to school or work if you do that. But as you do that, think in bigger picture terms and think about Jesus with you because he is. He's in you by the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And he is the best boss ever. All you have to do is think about what he said or what the apostles that learned from him said. And then think about those things and do those things and work will be better than it's ever been. Amen? So everything I've said today relies on Jesus being our boss. After all, I've said that new beginnings at work happen when we work for Jesus. So before we work for Jesus, we simply need to know Jesus as Savior and Lord in our lives. I've mentioned that already, but right now I want to remind you, That having Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life is as simple, not easy, but simple as A, B, C. A is admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you haven't done what God wanted you to do. Maybe you've been working all the time and you never take a break. Or maybe you never work, you're just lazy. Whatever it is, admit it. Admit your sin to God. B, believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as I say so often, this isn't an intellectual belief. It's just not saying there was a guy named Jesus who lived and died and rose again. Not that. Believe in the way we're talking about it is in your heart. You believe that there was a guy named Jesus who lived his life perfectly for you. That he died on the cross to pay your sins, the penalty for your sins. That he rose again and that resurrection is evidence that your life is going to be different once he's Savior and Lord in your life. It's a belief in a total way, body, soul, and spirit. And then C is confess. It's confess to Jesus, to God, to to, to, to our Heavenly Father that you have sinned. It's not enough to admit we've sinned. We need to confess it to him and say, hey, I've sinned, and I need your forgiveness. And then we confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord to other people, because it's not enough to just keep it in our, in our heart. We need to share it with others. So right now, we're gonna pray. And if you've never trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, you are never admitted, believed, and confessed, right now's the time you can do that. And all the rest of us, the prayer is gonna include us too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us with an everlasting love, that you have called us to be chosen, holy and beloved. God, today we pray that as we've talked about putting on this new clothing, that we will in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I pray for anyone who's listening, God, who has never said yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord, that in this very moment they would simply say, God, I admit to you I'm a sinner, and I do believe for the very first time that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And I trust him now as my savior and my Lord. And I confess to you, God, all the sin and the the, the darkness of my life. And I I turn it over to you so that you can turn it into light and goodness and love. And and God, for all of us who have done that, we've already trusted Jesus Jesus as savior and Lord. We know we still need to think differently. We still need to act differently in so many areas of our life. But we're talking about work right now. So God, I ask that right now that you would simply touch us with your Holy Spirit's power. Give us a new thought that will turn into a new action that will transform our places of work for your glory and honor that people around us won't think that we think we're better than them. We're not. But we'll think that we love them just as you do, because we do. And God, we pray that our workplaces will become new places because you are at the center of them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you trusted Jesus for the first time, you can raise your hand in the chat. There's a link you can click and somebody will talk to you about what that means. We want to just tell you how amazing it is to live this new life in Jesus Christ. For the rest of you, thank you so much for joining. Have a blessed week and remember at work, you're chosen and beloved. You're chosen and beloved. You're holy and God is with you. Have a great week.